back welcome once again to another episode of mike mike and oscar uh, i am your co-host mike one co-host also mike is here at oscar race checkpoint we are inside two weeks until academy awards sunday we have all of the major guild precursors now out of the way and two of the bigger ones are what we're going to focus this episode on today this oscar race checkpoint as we talk about the pga and sag award results michael so i wish i could do a michael buffer impersonation because <laughs> It's time to rumble. I mean, as Mm. pundits, like, this is the season for arguing over which is the most important precursor. Hell, we just did it in the pre-show for, like, Mm -hmm. half hour. (laughs) It's uh, BAFTA. (laughs) It was BAFTA at one point, wasn't it? And then now it's SAG? Anyway, (laughs) I don't know. Look, I think we have a lot of fun in store for these next two weeks. We we got a lot of uh, uh, episodes scheduled, Michael, with with some fun guests. And we got a lot to talk about because there are some real races here. There are some runaways, but there are some real fun possibilities down the card. And and I'm just glad. I got to be honest with you. I am so freaking glad that SAG shook it back up in another direction after BAFTA. I feel so much better. I don't know about you. We have a combination of like, I I don't know, six different outcomes that you can uh, reasonably predict right now because of how the precursors all shook out in terms of the acting categories or at least between like lead actor and supporting actress. Uh, And I mean, you can throw lead actress in there, too. And that's rare, right? Last year we had Chastain, most likely. We had Will Mm -hmm. Smith sweeping. We had we had uh, Kotzer, you know, surging at the end there. And he he started to take everything down the second half. Did he not and sweep? He didn't sweep. He did, he did not sweep. I don't think he won Globe. Globe. And we also had Ariana Debose sweeping like like Will Smith. So last year it wasn't in doubt. We were kind of saying, "Hey, we're so happy with these four. These are four cool wins." And then somebody kind of ruined the party there. <laughs> and there was Best Picture, which was up in the air last year. I mean, at least certainly right. more up in the air last year than it seems to be this year, but we'll get to all of that and talk about it. A good job by Ariana DeBose kind of not taking herself so seriously on the SAG stage and kind of uh, poking fun at her own performance from the BAFTAs mm-hmm. uh, went on stage and presenting her award. That was one of the highlights. SAG wasn't a bad show. What do you think of the show overall? Netflix's first uh, crack here at hosting the SAG Awards. Well, I'll have a few... I'll have a few quibbles and quabbles here, yeah. Mike, but I, I liked I liked much of it. I, did you like the no commercials, but the 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 SAG commercials? <laughs> I was outraged at first that there was a commercial break. I mean, mm-hmm. I thought the whole point of going to stream was that you didn't need them, but then I was thinking to myself, like, oh, of course they need commercial breaks, and you would think, oh, for bathroom breaks or whatever. Like, yeah, I'm sure that's part of it, but like, it's an it's a room full of the top of the top of Hollywood. Of course, they all care about like canoodling and schmoozing and networking, so they're going to want to stand up and walk around tables and like try to hobnob and glad hand. So, like, I guess it's an inevitability that those are going to be around. As far as like the montages themselves. Whatever. They're not bad. I can take them or leave them. <laughs> they kind of stick to the normal format sags. They always yeah. have. They have their opening, so they repeat that every time. And it's unique every time because you have different actors giving the I'm I'm an actor speech. I am an actor. Yeah. 
Right. So that's fine. And I, I, I mean, I guess I'm a little annoyed that the stunt ensembles weren't given out during the broadcast. That was a pre-show thing. Top Gun. That Maverick was so won. stupid. Like, what are they doing? Like, you, you got this three hour. And I thought that fit- was the point of going to streaming. <laughs> right. Yeah. It's a long ass broadcast still. And they only have to give out 16 awards, 15 plus a tribute. And they put two out in the pre-show. So they only gave out 14 awards in three, three, over three hours. And whereas I, I like keep praise on the Grammys for the pacing and the, you know, the performances and everything. Feeling, I mean, when all you're doing is handing out trophies, that felt every bit of three hours last night. It, there were some abominable presentations yeah. as well. I don't know if I pronounced that word correctly, but Good horrible. Good enough for snowman. Yeah. Horrible comedy to the point where I was... I, you were getting mad at me because people we love, like Haley R- Lou Richards, love her, love her. <laughs> you hated her last night. Hated her last night, and it's just, it's a it's a me problem. But it, whatever copy she was reading, it was not funny, and it was a yeah. it was just really unfunny. It was horrible. Uh, <laughs> There's also some some like incidentally <laughs> high comedic stuff. Like Sally Field is giving this uh, Lifetime Achievement Award acceptance speech, mm. and she's. A obviously wonderful actress so it looks like it's all coming from the heart and it's like all just ad-libbed or at least something she memorized like some lines and then because of where her SAG award was placed you could see the reflection of the scroll in the prompter <laughs> so she was just reading it live and just doing a great job of presenting it but that kind of took away a little bit of the luster for me you saw behind the curtain uh yeah. And you didn't like what you saw. No, Michelle Yeoh's microphone. Keep the, keep the makeup on, you know? I don't want yeah. to see that's Robin Williams. Yeah. Michelle Yeoh's microphone was also scratchy. I don't know what the hell was happening. <laughs> I could tell you exactly what was happening, Mike. God bless Michelle. I tweeted this, too. I love her. I want her to win the Oscar still. I'm thrilled she won SAG. That dress. <laughs> I'm not a fashionista. I'm sure I'll get yelled at. That dress looked awful to me I, it looked like it was covered in hay and so some of the hay was scratching up against the microphone i don't think it was hay it, i don't know what the hell it looked like hay <laughs> okay so it was a wardrobe issue <laughs> yes coming into the uh the microphones okay maybe maybe you're yeah i guess that must have been it i was wondering why <laughs> she was the only scratchy uh performance or or, or uh presentation off the microphone so that was the only audio issue on the night there was some video issues like going in and out for me it was like every time i turn on my hbo max it takes a minute before the hd kicks in i don't Mm -hmm. know if that does that for you ever but that was all night for me every single clip on my youtube on my tv oh interesting i don't think i had that but maybe i just wasn't paying attention um, yeah, your yeah. your eyes are also unfocused, so everything's blurry to you always, right? Yeah, well, even they, through they the showed, glasses. They showed a, a montage of the crown, and I saw John Cena in the cast. That was nice. <laughs> <laughs> As for ratings, look at, and I told myself I don't want to say look at a hundred thousand times tonight, <laughs> Just but accept it. Look at, we have eight hundred forty-seven k hits on the SAG Awards YouTube video this morning. We had 220-ish people watching live. 220,000. 220,000-ish. Thank you. And then we had like 162,000-ish watching the red carpet. What do you think of those numbers? That's actually comparable to a pandemic year SAG, right? Weren't they under a million? uh, That sounds right. Yeah, I should have looked that up beforehand. That sounded off the top of my head. That sounds right. Um, 
you know, this was a last second thing that Netflix kind of scooped them up and is going to do a bigger blowout with SAG next year. We've commented on that. So, I yeah, I would think they'd have to be happy with those numbers. Now, I do wonder, not that we'll ever get straight numbers from Netflix about anything, but I do wonder how those, I mean, YouTube seems to me to be the place where people have the most accessibility with anything that's going on. Because it's just a mouse click away. You don't even have to sign into an app most times. Yeah. Uh, when it's on Netflix only next year, I don't know if it's going to be on Netflix's YouTube channel as well. Maybe there'll be a difference in viewership. I don't know. I don't know either, but if they matched the ratings by the next morning of last year's show, they got to be feeling pretty good about that. Especially now. I mean, now they're going to have all the clips play and play and play. And by the end of the week, they might be a million and five views. Yeah. That's a good thing for Netflix's YouTube channel, I would think. And I would think that just invited more people to watch what seems to be a good broadcast. So that was brand building for Netflix. They haven't had a lot of success on YouTube necessarily. This was probably a step in the right direction for them. Yeah, I uh, I tend to agree, and I hope that that trend continues. I hope they keep it on the Netflix YouTube channel next year, too, even though it's going on. Uh, it'll be on Netflix streaming proper. Yeah. Um, all right, let's get into what happened at the SAG show here. Uh, we did have the I'm an Actor opening. This year it was Nisi Nash Betts, Bob Odenkirk, and Jamie Lee Curtis who started it, as well as uh, Quinta Brunson and Janelle James finished it, and then they went on to do an opening monologue and shouting out some actresses that were there and a couple of nice jokes. Jamie Lee Curtis did an I'm an Actress opening talking about Nepo Baby. So hmm. uh, props to Izzy because Jamie Lee Curtis, like she said, is the most online of any of the nominees this year. Uh, she's Certainly is in the Twitter sphere and has the lingo down. We then uh, had our first award of the night. It was Zendaya and Paul Mescal, who are two gorgeous human beings. They were out to present female actor in a TV movie limited series. And Jessica Chastain won for her performance. And George and Tammy, we could stop giving her trophies. Uh, I'm sorry, Mike. She played a singer named Tammy. <laughs> she gets the statue. <laughs> Did Those you, are the rules. Have you watched George and Tammy at all? No, I didn't watch anyone in that category shamefully i don't know if you did i that was the i don't one even remember cate- the nominees that was the one category i didn't watch anybody in i uh i think we we, we jessica chastain's good she's got her trophies we, we could we could move on now i i'm still bitter about her winning for last year i did not like the tammy faye performance but uh, you're not bitter up against jessica chastain no like i like jessica chastain in. i'm glad she's an oscar winner but like mm-hmm. i yeah, give it to her for you know uh zero dark 30 or the Sorkin. What was that Sorkin gambling film? We're doing. Yeah, it I would have liked that too. Molly's yeah. game. Yeah, Molly's game. Good. Uh, she did give a really good speech. Again, she is one to do that. She talked about how Philip Seymour Hoffman visited her college class one day, and uh, he had a quote that was "Keep going. I look forward to working with all of you." And how special that was to her because it made it feel real and it brought the realness into the room at the time. And she parlayed that same message to any actor who may be struggling at home. That was a really nice moment. I thought. Oh, good. I, I'm coming into this show late. I was on a Zoom meeting, and uh, I'm glad I'm kind of just nodding along here. So that's uh, that's that's fun. That's fun. Yeah, that was good. Didn't take the bitter taste out of my mouth. Anyway, good. Stephanie Sue, <laughs> Kiwi Kwan, and Michelle Yeoh were out next. They did the standard Oscars type presentation where we had the uh, all the uh, nominees for the biggest category of the night. This obviously was a cast ensemble for a. Uh, uh, that's what it's called, right? Cast on. Why am I blanking here? Yeah, the cast 
It's SAG Ensemble. Yeah, SAG Ensemble. There you go. The biggest award of the night. Uh, they did have the Oscars-like presentation of that where they had a couple actors from each film give a you know small introduction to the movie and then show a quick montage. With, uh, and Everything Everywhere All at Once was the first of those on the evening as those three showed that montage. Everything Everywhere was on the verge of a massive SAG night there. Go from that moment to one of the highlights of the night in presentation. Jenna Ortega and Aubrey Plaza came out. They gave the most deadpan stares, questioning why they were placed together. The joke, of course, being that the two of them are virtually the same creepily depressive, (laughs) will hex you and your family uh, looking uh, uh, people. And then they went into how they uh, should track down the person that put them together. And then at the same time, in stereo, talked about putting that hex on that person's family for the next seven generations. It was laugh out loud, funny (laughs) stuff. And then they capped it off by presenting male actor in a TV movie or limited series to Sam Elliott. Yeah, and he got up there and he went, Coors, the banquet beer. (laughs) That's exactly what he did. What can I say in 45 seconds after just receiving my most meaningful acknowledgement of my 55-year career? Another cool moment. Then we had our first commercial break of the night, which just was pure outrage for me. Could not believe we were doing commercials. So yeah, this is taking a while. I'm watching this kind of on my TV as I'm doing the Zoom meeting. All these old men just blathering on. (laughs) God help me. And then we had, yes, we had um, a commercial break that was just really a commercial for the SAGs. Do you think... Do you think at the end of the day, the commercials on this YouTube channel work? Like, the marketing work? Because they marketed all five movies that were nominated for Ensemble. Did they market the SAG Awards for next year on this globe, for, you know, for this global audience that, that tuned in? Maybe, you know, additional people that weren't tuning in, you know, on uh, network TV last year. They did some cool stuff, like they picked out historical highlights and moments, but if you were to ask me right now to recite a single one, I don't know that I'd be able to. So, like, they were going for the, you have to watch the SAG Awards because all these really cool moments could happen, but I, I don't I don't remember that many memorable, like, standout moments. Well, the Banquet Beer spokesman wasn't very ha- happy with it, Sam Elliott, so... <laughs> Yeah, sorry. I, I, I'm not doing a great job of selling SAG right now, but uh, I like I did like the montage where they talked about how SAG works as a union for actors and the highlights and people. Natalie Portman talking about how it took care of her being when she's such a young age and Good. all the jokes about health care and stuff. I like that. I, I like that as an idea. But yeah, otherwise I was I was nonplussed. Maybe I was just aghast at the idea of commercials on a streaming network anyway. Um mm. Amy mm. Poehler and Adam Scott were out next. They presented female actor in a comedy series, Gene Smart, who cannot stop winning for hacks. Uh, she wasn't there, so Shooter McGavin himself, Chris McDonald, accepted on her behalf. You want to go to the Sizzler? Get some grub? <laughs> Shooter, great to hear from you. <laughs> Mr. Gilmore played that same shot not three hours ago. Uh, Michelle Williams, Paul Dano, and... Gabrielle, Gabrielle Abel, excuse me, presented the cast nomination for the Fablemans. We followed that up. A lot of TV awards back to back to back to start. And this show was slow getting out of the gates. In the first, like, 25 half hour, uh, we only had two awards, but it did find its groove eventually. And this is when we had Ashley Park and the aforementioned Haley Lou Richardson present male actor in a comedy series to Jeremy Allen White for The Bear and the Von Ericks cannot stop winning. Who's the Von Ericks? What is that? So it's a wrestling family. And Jeremy Allen White 
uh, they're they're a cursed wrestling family. Unfortunately, they've had a lot of tragedy, a lot of suicide and death over the years. But they were the like hearts. The, very similar. They're the Texas oh. version of the Hearts, essentially. Oh. Where the Hearts were up in Calgary, Levon Eriks ran Texas in like the seventies and eighties. And there's a movie coming to uh, to us at some point uh, where Zac Efron and Jeremy Allen White, who looks just like a Von Eric brother, I've always said this, uh, and a couple others are going to be playing the Von Eriks on screen, which I'm looking forward uh, to. I got gotcha. you. All see? right. So that joke is a wrestling joke. That's for me and me only. That's correct. So a lot of TV awards given out to start. A lot of uh, several movie promos. Uh, by the way, I rewatched the Fablemans. Uh, some highs and lows, and mm-hmm. it was a better rewatch than it was a first or second watch. A third rewatch was did did me good. I'll just say I liked it more. Yeah, but that's I mean, that's that's also a problem, isn't it? Yeah, probably. It's definitely a problem, according to the Academy. You know, but look at you don't need you don't need a rewatch for the bear. The bear is the good is good on on first watch. And it's a little unrealistic. It's a little far fetched because they get too crazy with one another yelling at each other in this. Work did you ever work in, in, the, in, in a restaurant or food industry? Yeah, yeah I did? did. I never in did. High school. In high school. Yeah. Oh, it's a little high strung. <laughs> it has to be. You got to say behind you a lot. So you, behind. People, yeah. Corner. Don't. I know that's a thing. Her. Yeah. I got All that happens. Yeah. That does happen. <laughs> Eugene Levy presented Best Ensemble in a comedy series to Abbott Elementary. He had a very funny presentation in Abbott Elementary. Again, I mean, a lot of the TV stuff was just a, a cap of a season of repeat winners. I'm glad. Abbott Elementary is an awesome show. I'm like middle yeah, of the second season right now, I believe. And I believe it's a second. Yeah, it's, 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 it's great every time. Funny stuff. Fran Drescher, the president, of course, of SAG After came out. She gave remarks uh, thanking Netflix, thanking everyone who was there. She. It felt like a State of the Union, Mike. It felt yeah, annoyed. I she, was annoyed by it. I was too. She had like these applause break moments where there was nothing to applaud and nobody did. We're giving insurance now to. Oh, come on. <laughs> Can we just give out the awards to the most famous people of the last year in the room, please? Can we do that? <laughs> We finally get, after that, we get to our first big movie award of the night. As, of course, like Mike said, the stunts were awarded in the pre-show, so they didn't get their moment on on the actual telecast itself. But Emily Blunt and Jason Bateman presented supporting female actor in a film. Uh, Did it go to Angela Bassett? No. Did it go to Carrie Condon, who won the BAFTA? No. It went to Jamie Lee Curtis. Surprising. Let's, Let's be honest. Jamie Lee Curtis woke up this morning... In second place in the Vegas betting odds, plus 225. Angela Bassett is still the shortest at plus 125. Carrie Condon tied with Jamie Lee, but you know her range is a little, little further out, a little longer, I would say. So we do have a three-way race now. You're right. Angela's in trouble, Mike, mm-hmm. but she keeps winning like weekly. She won the NAACP Entertainer yep. of the Year over the weekend. She won the HCA for Best Supporting Actress two weeks ago. She won the Costume Designers Guild Tribute Award. She wins every weekend at all these crossover guilds, etc. A lot of uh, award shows that are rising in prominence. So she's still very much in the conversation. Obviously, Jamie Lee Curtis is now in this mix. She can very very easily win now there's no question about it when when she crossed over at sag with this size of a voting body 
you wonder what the Academy crossover is voting for. You can never know. But I thought she acquitted herself really well. She was a badass on the stage. She was so her. She gave this speech that was just cool and honest and it was a bit raw but that's all right she she get up gets up there she mentions the nepo baby term again yeah and but she does it in like a gracious way just thanking her her lineage for opening the opportunity for her in this business and i mean i don't think that's a bad thing and then she's like doing some cool insider stuff like rick effing dalton where she's like you know, you don't rent. You you effing live here. Because she's like, yeah, I'm going to do E-E-A-A-O. No doubt about it uh, when I'm casting this thing because it's being shot in L.A. And then she mimes, effing yes. That was awesome. Well, yeah. I mean, she did herself a lot of favors. I agree. And she is Hollywood royalty. I mean, she literally is Hollywood royalty and that she comes from the Hollywood royalty family. And she is a Nepo baby in that way. And she does talk about it and she embraces it. And she talks about how lucky she is and she knows it and how hard she's worked and I want her to win the Oscar. I still do. I saw somebody. I don't. Well, I there's a reason for that, though, because you're. Oh the yeah, biggest oh, it's, fan of yeah. her being the scream queen. Of course, right. but also, I mean, along the lines of when are you going to get to vote for Michelle Yeoh again? Like Clayton Davis said when he was on our show, I don't know how many times we're going to be able to vote for Jamie Lee Curtis to win an Oscar. Totally. I mean, Carrie Condon, I expect to be here again. Angela Bassett, you could make the same argument. When are we going to be able to vote for her again? Yeah, I can. I could see that, but I, I you know, the, the fact that it's down to. One of those three, I think, is great. I hope it's either Bassett or Jamie Lee Curtis, and my favoritism really wants Curtis to win. So do you think there's possibly a vote share between the two legacy picks, between Bassett and Jamie Lee Curtis, and then Condon just swoops in and takes it? It's absolutely a possibility. you got to think about that, yeah. I mean, I don't know who would have more pull. Who do you think has more pull in the Academy between Jamie Lee Curtis and Angela Bassett? That's a tough, interesting conversation. I really don't know. They're both overdue, of course, yeah. but for di- in different ways. Like Bassett's knocked on the Oscars door right. before. I think Jamie Lee Curtis has been underestimated and underrated uh, coming from genre cinema. Uh, Angela Bassett Look, she acquitted herself well last night, too. She is shown in so many reaction shots having the best time. Yeah. You know, for the rest of the night. She seems genuinely happy when she doesn't win, too. Genuinely likes, yeah. happy for everybody, having fun, which Jamie Lee Curtis was doing yep. throughout the season leading up to now when she, she basically won her first biggie. So that is that, that I think that matters at the end of the day. Could Carrie Condon win on the, you know, miscongeniality factor of her performance? I think that's there. She gets to tell off all of the, you know, the Irishmen in that film and it, as Izzy said, there's a ton of agency for her character. Mm-hmm. But if I mean if you look at Angela Bassett's performance, it's also unique in the sense that it's paying particular tribute to Chadwick Boseman. Uh, coming uh, coming out of that film, you, you, it's undeniable that she's the conscience of that story uh, in the mentor hero role of Wakanda Forever. She's also got much more support from the Ampus with five no- nominations uh, at the Oscars versus one nomination at BAFTA. So it's much more likely that our Academy actually watched Black Panther Wakanda Forever. So it, I don't think... You can just make the punditry argument of, well, SAG and BAFTA are more important than Globes and Choice, and then Nick's Angela Bassett out of the equation. I do think there's going to be some serious consideration for her at the end of the day, and I don't know how this is going to go. You could you could tell me it goes any which 
any which way and I would believe it. And and I wouldn't be surprised if we got a total shocker in Hong Chao or Stephanie Shu here. More likely Stephanie Shu in my opinion. Because once it's a three-way race, why couldn't it be a four-way race? It could be a four- or five-way race, yeah. The threshold comes down in terms of the vote splits. You saying how uh, Bassett won Critics' Choice and Globes gave me like PTSD thinking about how those are the two Best Picture awards that Once Upon a Time in Hollywood got, and then it didn't show up on the uh, the Oscar stage there for Best Picture either. So Typically, if you win early in the season and you don't win late, obviously that's a loss of momentum. It signifies it, and the season goes against you. But it, we, I'm sure there's examples. I'll find them for the next few episodes where it, it's happened and, and the race comes back to somebody. But, yeah, everybody's been mentioning Sylvester Stallone, Angela Bassett was in that role in a way, the Oscar ex- expert, etc. It makes some sense. I think, I think that the the whole pre- precursor show argument, though, can be misapplied to this particular category. I think, and but the fact that it's it's spread out in three different ways, I, I wonder if the Academy at the end of the day is just going to say vote for who they want, and it's more of a performance argument than anything else. If you go uh, to the anecdotal evidence too, or the you know the anecdotal records at least, it's also tough to just you know you're gonna have a tough time justifying it. There hasn't been many instances of the actor winning the Oscar when the only major precursor they won is SAG, as would be the case for Jamie Lee Curtis. Right. Uh, so the, you know there's things like that that are working. You can have those types of narratives work against I think every one of these uh, for and against every one of these nominees. Uh, I think it's also important to shine a light on you know we're gonna talk about BAFTA. Uh, a lot in this episode and look again historically you're going to look back at this year's BAFTA and say wow that's just another example of how racist they were that's not going to change when we talk about supporting actor in a couple minutes but when it comes to supporting actress it seems like maybe they were onto something I mean Carrie Condon was the critical favorite going into this season until Angela Bassett started winning and now this is the second straight major precursor award show in which Angela Bassett uh, I guess gets upset I want to apologize for getting so angry in that BAFTA. <laughs> well, I did. I allowed myself to get angry, and that's not the right way to podcast or get your opinion across or make an argument. And it, it, it didn't come out coherently, in my opinion. I'm going to try and remake it in a second about Kihui Kwan, but I didn't want to take away from Kerry Condon. That wasn't my goal. Right. And that's ultimately what I think people got frustrated with me online when I called BAFTA a bunch of, you know, names for, for doing Ignoramai. That is not what I was going for. Right. And I love Kerry Condon's performance. Of course I did. And we, we just talked about it with Izzy quite a bit. I loved Angela Bassett's a little more, in my opinion. I'm just there. I love Stephanie Shoes the most. And I might be a little bit biased towards Stephanie Hsu. She's been my number one all year. So, yeah, of course this works its way into it. And that's why I think the punditry is kind of working their own biases, biases, into this argument over supporting actress or a couple other categories that is a three that are that are three way races and where you have spread out wins along the different uh, precursors. I think you could kind of taper these arguments towards what you want to have happen or what you have been saying it's going to happen all season, and that bothers me. That does bother me that we can all do that, and then we just ignore the fact that we all do that, and we've always done it as pundits. So just trying to take a step back and say, hey, 
when there's 160,000 voters, there's no way you can somehow calculate the Oscar crossover voter. It's the same thing at, at BAFTA, especially when they didn't even nominate their own people. They didn't even nominate their own own nominees at BAFTA. They had a chapters or juries. Mm-hmm. So it's even more confusing. This particular year is more confusing, and it gets even worse because you look at the order of award shows have been shook up over the last few years. Last year, we had Critics' Choice yep. ending the season because there's that weird rescheduling, even though... Votes happened earlier. They rescheduled it to later in the year. Before that, BAFTA was always the, in the hammer spot before Oscars. But there was also a, a, a segment of the voting that kind of danced on the line of Oscars eligibility, or, or excuse me, as, as the Oscar voting window for the winners. So it was, it was strange, and people were talking about how maybe there's some recency bias involved with the, the, the award show that w- finished the season and yet BAFTA was more of an indicator of what what was thought than what you know what was changing at the time because it wasn't even within the window or was or was at the tail end of the Oscar voting window when the BAFTAs were announced so it, it couldn't have affected it that much so SAG being kind of in the middle of most seasons now it's the last award is there recency bias for SAG it's looking so for, for Vegas odds, I'll tell you that much this morning. Those Vegas odds have shifted. We're going to talk to David Long, hopefully, about it all, Mike. But it's, it, I think it's more of a recency bias and a performance argument than it is which precursor is the most important. Uh, well said. I think the Vegas odds are going to also be why I say you, you should only half apologize. Because, yes, while supporting actress probably shouldn't have been included in the BAFTA rant, supporting actor and what they did absolutely should. And we'll talk about that. So save the venom, uh, at least half of it, for what's yeah. coming up in another two uh, sentences here. We had uh, a couple of the women from Women Talking present their package for their uh, ensemble nomination there. Yeah, I went to the movies. I rewatched Women Talking, and that was an excellent, excellent rewatch. Uh, in fact,. Like I, I'm upset that I didn't do that before our top tens episode at the Mike, Mike and Oscars because women talking would have catapulted from my number 15 into my top 10. And I'm kind of bummed by that. I added major points on the rewatch, even despite, uh, even despite a few clunky things at, at the very end with one particular character, Ben Wishaw just cried too much. It was the same. <laughs> he, he broke down into tears like seven times. Yeah, you're which, telling, me, telling me a white man did too much and ruined it? That's I, I don't believe that. Probably a me problem, too, because I'm just <laughs> uncomfortable with that going in. It's my own, you know, toxic masculine uh-huh. background in my life that I'm, I can't watch a man break down and cry. But he did it the same way. It was just a repetitive, redundant performance. If he do it, does it once or twice, that's fine. Anyway, well, you know how I talking, feel about Ben Wishaw in general, so I'm with you. Women talking... <laughs> surpassed my expectations and overcame the whole Ben Withdraw ugly crying incident in my brain to, to still be an awesome. Glad movie. to hear that. It's going to be a battle. I mean, very curious to see what a lot of the predictions come out and adapted screenplay between that and uh, all quiet on the Western front, which I don't know. I mean, you know, maybe the fact that SAG nominating was a little earlier worked to all quiet's detriment. Probably right? all quiet has been a BAFTA thing. It wasn't, even an EFA thing. It wasn't anywhere 
cruising but you, I, an international I mean, feature. If the nomination cutoff was a little later and once the BAFTA noms rolled out, All Quiet easily takes the place on, in the ensemble for Over Babylon, doesn't it? The way voting has shook out so far in all these award shows? It's strange, Michael, because the movie's been out since October. It it's just very weird. It wasn't gotten to until later. It did show up at other guilds, like the tech guilds. It's mm-hmm. it's in a bunch of spots. So the the indicators that All Quiet on the Western Front could be a you know four or five nominee at the Oscars were there. The fact that it became a seven nominee after the BAFTAs nominated it four t- fourteen times. That's where it really got its momentum, clearly. Very odd. Very odd the way that's that's done. Uh, but as of today, it sits with the second best odds for best picture right now, but we'll get into that. Orlando Bloom, here's some time to range, comes out. He presented a supporting male actor in a film to Kiwe Kwan. Kiwe Kwan becomes the first Asian male actor to win at the SAG Awards for any movie category. So Kiwe Kwan wins again. Jamie Lee Curtis beats out Angela Bassett, so this proves definitively that the BAFTAs aren't racist. They're just racists. Uh, So (laughs) here's why I'll say they're suspect. Yes. (laughs) Well, look, it's inexcusable. The Kiwi Kwan thing on the BAFTA stage is inexcusable, and it's Vegas shows it out more than anything because Kiwi Kwan went into BAFTAs as a more than minus 1,000 favorite, meaning you had to bet $1,000 just to win a $100 profit if you bet on Kiwi Kwan. He loses at BAFTA, and his odds do not change whatsoever. He leaves BAFTA still a minus 1,000 favorite or better, which means even Vegas. Vegas is saying, well, that's just BAFTA being BAFTA. Right. Here's the thing about BAFTA doing what they did. Key. Haekwon was the fulcrum of my argument because he was a very specific example of BAFTA vetoing a person of color who was the heaviest favorite in the season. Because, Mike, we follow hundreds, literally hundreds of awards and award shows throughout the year, from the Gotham's and Sunset Film Circle Awards through the Oscars. And to my knowledge, no other awards body selected white people as the winners of all, or all but maybe one, of the best film achievements of the year. So when BAFTA does that, after their appalling BAFTA So White reckoning a few years earlier, and after a much maligned nomination system of juries and chapters that clearly have a disconnect, not only with the rest of the seasons in previous years, but with their votership now because they only picked winners from a handful of movies that are in the best film conversation that the entire friggin' votership voted for. They all happen to be very white movies, with with one exception, that didn't win anything Mm -hmm. everywhere all at once. So after BAFTA is clearly not getting the quote-unquote results that we have been arguing for the longest time, results that were vulnerable to tokenism and vulnerable to just doing the bare minimum to get out of the so white hashtag conversations, (laughs) when they don't make systemic change in their votership and their voting body and they just bullshit their way through, you know what? Kihei Kwan becomes, he becomes a fulcrum to this argument that they did, in fact, belligerently veto a heavy favorite like that. He won everywhere. Yeah. Everywhere. 
He won everything everywhere all at once. So he, it's not a disparaging moment on Barry Kogan. He gave a great performance. No, but that yeah, is a nuanced again, performance. It's not. It's not shame on Barry. It's, it's shame on. And this is what I was trying to get across when I, you know, playing the devil's advocate, like. Even in the moment when I was trying to come up with the fences, you, it's it, the, the Kiwi Kwan thing is it's indefensible. And Barry it's, Kogan isn't even like the favorite from that movie. He's not. <laughs> it's absurd that you, you you come out of BAFTA with all white winners and then you, you don't look at Barry Kogan as an obvious, how did that happen? That looks like a Homer pick. He's a young actor who's been banging on the door at BAFTA for a while. They love him and I don't blame them. I don't blame them for loving Barry, Barry Kogan. Calm with Horses was a Barry Kogan oh, vehicle <laughs> and got not BAFTA nominated a whole bunch, right? So, of course, they're they're in the Barry Kogan business over there at BAFTA. But he's a homer pick for a, an actor's actory performance, a nuanced performance. It's not a rangy performance. It's not that Kihei Kwan performance. He's not even... Just, He's not even, I mean, him and Gleason basically have the same odds right now if you wanted to bet on a supporting actor. So it's not like the BAFTA wins yeah. separated Kogan from Gleason. And if you want to see how much a major precursor can change odds, mm-hmm. Kiwi Kwan's upset at BAFTA. His odds do not change. He wins yeah. at SAG. He goes from <laughs> minus 1,000 or minus 1,500. I mean, you could find him at minus 2,500 now, minus 3,300, minus 4,000. One book has him at minus 100,000 or minus 10,000, I mean. Like, that's a shift. That's what the change, that's a change that can happen because of a precursor. The fact right. that his odds did not move, to me, it just suggests that everybody that that actually pays attention to these things that handles the money that's a result of these things is saying right. yeah well what are we going to do that's bafta oh well shake it off on to the next one anyway i i want to get out of the, the yeah i mean look I, and here. we get we get we get yelled at and we we focus on the racism aspect too much and blah 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 and a lot of, we had a lot of people make a lot of i thought decent at least and, and well informed suggestions as to what may have happened. I think there's some truth into to all of it. And I think we're probably speaking half truths as well. I don't think anyone has this exactly right, but I do think when you look back historically in five, 10, 15 years, this, this year's BAFTA is going to be just another notch in the bedpost as fallout boy would say, it's just going to be another piece of evidence towards that narrative against BAFTA. They're not racist because they picked four white actors. They're suspect because they picked all white winners again. It's that simple. And it's that obvious when nobody else did, when no other awards body did. And Kihei Kwan is sweeping the season in dramatic fashion. And he loses to a very young actor without the narrative. I just listened to the awards chatter from Scott Feinberg on THR's podcast network there Kihei Kwan had me in tears telling his origin story, telling his comeback story, telling more than like four stories during that interview, which he did in front of a, co- a college kid audience. I, I forget the uh, at the I forget the school he I'm driving. I'm on a long drive yesterday, like an hour drive. I'm I'm tearing up listening to this man's story. He's got all the narratives. So it made zero sense last week. I shouldn't have called them names. However, <laughs> it uh, I still feel the same way. I still feel like they just completely went with a homer pick, and their homer picks over there have always been just these Anglo-Saxon picks. They love the white picks. Yep. 
Uh, getting back to what happened on the SAG stage, speaking of becoming overcome with emotion, Kiwi Kwan was uh, very emotional, very tearful in giving his acceptance yeah. speech on the SAG stage as he recognized himself to be uh, the first Asian actor to win uh, in that category. Uh, as well. So that was a very emotional night. He's always given great speeches all throughout this awards lead up. You would think he is one of the locks for the Oscar stage. We will see how that shakes out uh, the closer we get to Oscar Sunday. Babylon was out next for their ensemble nom montage, and you knew how seriously they were taking their chances on the SAG stage by the fact that Brad Pitt didn't show up, Tobey Maguire didn't show up. No, it, it was there was not a lot of big Babylon representation. Diego Calva kind of shushed the crowd. Again, yeah. people are just... People are just making it really hard on these presenters coming out of these commercial breaks. It's they awkward. Care. They don't. They, don't they want to schmooze. Yeah. Uh, uh, look at when is the Babylon rewatch coming for you? I, I'm almost. I've almost clicked play on it like five times on Paramount Plus. I don't know. I don't know if you're getting close my, yourself. No, it'll be in twenty twenty nine. You can do this. I need to rewatch these things now, <laughs> again and again. Why? Why am I so different? Than You've you? proven know. that. You. I don't know how you do. I, I. I think if I had to watch the same movies like three or four times, did you did, never? Especially if I didn't enjoy them, I'd go crazy. Did you never listen to the same bedtime stories growing up? No, I did. And I listened to the same music over and over and over again. I just can't. You know, ask me to do three hours of something I've already seen and I've just seen. It's like ah, I don't know. I don't know either. You're, <laughs> you're an odd duck. I'm the odd one. You're an odd duck. All right. <laughs> Andrew Garfield. Your argument out. makes zero sense to me. <laughs> Andrew Garfield was out to present Sally Field with a Lifetime Achievement Award. Nice montage. Great speech by Sally Field. I already yes. touched on it. I wish it was from the harder memorized. But yeah, it was. Uh, she definitely had some highlights. I still don't want to see 80 for Brady. I'm sorry. Not sorry. <laughs> but she did make a terrific speech. She was very gracious. You know, she talked about. You know, struggling to crawl the box of situational comedy in the 60s and 70s. It took a fierceness out of her, quote-unquote, that she didn't know she had. But her fight was light work compared to what other people have gone through in the yeah, industry. I'm paraphrasing there. That was a really nice moment. And, you know, she was very, very gracious throughout her career. Andrew Garfield, given given her one of the better send-ups in a while in terms of presentations. I thought he did a great job with yeah. a great beard. That was an immaculately groomed beard that, that I can nice never beard. grow. Yeah, I agree. You grow yourself a decent beard. That was a good beard on Garfield, though. I just don't know how to groom it like that. Mm. There's no... I mean, mine looks like it's on a Lego figure, mm -hmm. my beard. Mm -hmm. There could be. I don't know what I'm doing. You're not Spider-Man is what you're trying to say? You have an immaculately groomed Abraham Lincoln bottom. It's a quaff. Yeah, I don't know about that, but Below I appreciate the, chin. the compliment. Yeah. Anyway, I don't I'm know how to, to do that. Jim the Anvil Nyhart more than anything. There you go. Mm. Huh. It works. It's working. <laughs> Jennifer Coolidge, one uh, female actor in a drama series. She beat out Zendaya in that category. There was some like pure, unadulterated emotion from Jennifer Coolidge. She was overcome by the moment. She spent at least 30 of her 45 seconds just going, yeah, oh my God. And it was funny. And they let her go. And then she finally got into it and she was hilarious. And you're right. She was emotional to start and she made some jokes at the end. She's really funny in The White Lotus. I just finished season one. I'm late to that party. Sorry. However, I'm very upset with her that she spoiled her ending at the, what, what award show was it, Mike? But she spoiled the ending of season two, and now I don't want to watch season two well, because I know what happened. That's been a running theme at award shows, too, because Quinta Brunson had a similar joke in the uh, in the monologue, the opening monologue, saying, oh, Jennifer Coolidge, I loved your work in this season of The White Lotus. I cannot wait to see what your character does next season. 
Okay, I thought you were going to spoil it. You didn't. Well, that was what that was the joke. I can't wait to see what your character does next season. And the big laugh from the crowd. And I mean, you know, it's been a running thing. This is the difference between you and me. I I need I can't watch a show where I'm spoiled, and I need to rot. But I but yet I'm a walking contradiction because I need to rewatch it. How many times? See, I don't mind a spoiler if it intrigues me, and I can't put together the how right away. Yeah. I'm but I'm I'm more likely to watch the White Lotus knowing that what I know than I am to go in blind. Less inclined to rewatch unless it's like a puzzler because you've rewatched a ton of Jordan Peele, Ari Aster horror movies Correct. in the past. Correct. Anyway, or unless, unless it's, it's a puzzler, like love absolutely love like Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Right. Um, those, are, those two are my friends now. <laughs> <laughs> Male actor in a drama series went to Jason Bateman. I. I Really appreciated this. I I was sad for Bob Odenkirk and never or better call Saul, but I like that Bob Odenkirk had his moment at the Critics' Choice. Jason Bateman gets his moment at SAG. Those are two leading men of two of the probably top 150 at least TV shows of all time, who never really got their proper due on a big award stage. Who deserved it and got it this year? So that's yeah. cool. I, I I have to finish uh, Better Call Saul. I'm like two seasons. So do I. I haven't I haven't watched the last half of the last season there you go and then ozark i never even started would would i like it knowing what you know about me would i like ozark yeah i would think so i mean it's not gross okay okay i think there's only like one scene that's kind of eh. well as far as your standards go i'm glad that's your first concern well that's what turns you off to like some horror thriller stuff that's right and it's a horror thriller huh wow it's not horror it's not horror at all but it it definitely is dramatic thriller gotcha tense all right i may watch it at some point in the next 30 years all right good to know jenny slate and james marsden were out they presented ensemble in a drama series to the white lotus f murray abraham reluctantly gave the speech he had to be prodded up to the microphone which was a cute moment and then he goes on this he goes on this speech a very nice saying he sends prayers to the victims of the earthquake overseas and then he ends it by shouting out union forever which was awesome He's, he's the typical Bette Midler type of member in that For the Boys movie. He's like, I can't, I can't, I can't. Yes. He gets out there yes. and, goes, da, 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 and get, delivers a, you know incredible song. Can't make me sing. Don't make me sing. Don't make me go out there. Don't make But if I have to Never give a speech, for union forever. <laughs> I mean, he was awesome. He gave yeah. the greatest speech of the night, at least in terms of like delivery. F. Maria Abraham can... He can award speech, man. That was great. That was very funny and very well done. Very well said. I agree. We go from that to Don Cheadle, who did the In Memoriam presentation. Leslie Jordan started off the montage. It was Angela Lansbury uh, just beating out James Kahn as the hammer spot at the end there. Yeah, I went downstairs. I grabbed the giant mug. I poured two beers into it. <laughs> I came back upstairs and I started drinking the two beers and the montage was still going. So mm-hmm. I didn't watch it, but... I, they, they always bum me out, but well, that's the point. Uh, yeah, <laughs> they're not, I, I you know, not gonna open a popper during. <laughs> 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 God, Colin Farrell and Brendan Gleeson presented their Banshees Ensemble nomination package. And you, so here's a question: Would you rewatch Banshees maybe because it's a it's a puzzling film and you want to know what it all means, or are you good with it? Do you want do you want to rewatch Banshees at all? It's quick, right? Hmm. Is it over Ish. two hours? I don't. I don't remember. 
I, I can't like believe minutes. this matters when you binge so much bullshit. Oh, it matters because uh, it's time. It's time taken away from the bullshit I could be binging. <laughs> uh. <laughs> Jeff Bridges presented female actor in a leading role, and it did go to Michelle Yeoh. She beats out Kate Blanchett. She is the first Asian female to win lead actress at the SAGs for the movie categories, and Michelle Yeoh overcome with emotion. She tried to keep it together and give this rehearsed speech. And then she, like, just gets so broken up in emotion, she does a little twirl, and then she just yells, fuck, into the microphone. It was so funny. I hope that moment goes in the next SAG Moments montage, because that's one I will remember. This was fun. That it, Not on network TV this year, yes. on YouTube. They can let their hair down, and you can have moments like that. Jamie Lee Curtis had a few. There was some some the rest of the night, and that, that was a funny one. So Michelle Yeoh now has the Globe Comedy or Musical and the SAG lead actress. She has 33 wins, though, on the season. So that is a lot of support, especially from the critical associations. She is now very close to Kate Blanchett yeah. in terms of the Vegas odds. Blanchett, in terms of her range, is still a little shorter. She's got a range of minus 162 to even money. Yo is plus 138 to minus 137 as a favorite. So what do you think of the Vegas odds as of this morning, Mike. That's that's it, right? I mean, those are the two. We knew it was going to be a battle between those two as soon as the season started, and that's that's where we're ending up. I, if you were to tell me right now where to place my money, I think I'd still predict Blanchett. We'll see how the next this week goes before we do our actual predictions. We're going to do those with David, right? That's the we're, plan. We're scheduled with David. Hopefully, we didn't just jinx that. But yeah. I think I think we're right. good. So, Knock on wood. Nothing the... could interrupt the greatest show <laughs> God of our would lives. Never. Yeah. <laughs> Um, (laughs) that's such a good line the fact that caddyshack had the foresight to put that in my lord um i yeah if i had to bet now i would bet blanchette but i want yo to win it's nothing i love blanchette may be my favorite performance of the year i think i said she was yeah um or maybe butler is i think butler's my favorite you said butler Butler but i think i would have blanchette as number two but i want yo to win right uh, I'm kind of in a similar boat, especially if Blanchett doesn't win. No, I'm kidding. If Blanchett <laughs> wins, I'm I'm gonna be fine with it. If Yo wins, I'm gonna be I'm gonna be happy on the night. I'm gonna be happy. Yeah, I'm rooting for. Her. Uh, we got uh, we got lead actor now that becomes much more fun. I think Jessica Chastain, fresh off another win for playing a Tammy. Which she definitely earned. I'm, I don't know why I'm so sour and bitter against Jessica. I, I love know Jessica why Chastain. Either. Don't you love Jessica Chastain? I just I did not like Tammy. I didn't like that movie last year. Okay. I don't like that she won Tammy Why Not this year. <laughs> she should win for the movies I want her to win for. Okay. Okay. She, pre- noted. she presented male actor in a leading role. And it goes to Brendan Fraser. And there was a big uh, celebration. Brendan Fraser, as he did previously, was overcome with emotion himself. He knew he wanted to keep it brief, but he was stuttering over his words a bit. Very happy. Very verklempt, as, as one would say. Uh, you know, tough to speak sometimes. I liked his speech this time. Good. I thought it was better than Critic. Critic's Choice was like... Ben Wishaw at the end of Women Talking. It was a bit <laughs> ugly crying. And he said some good things. But he didn't even make sense at the end. I thought he brought it home this time with his... He came closer to bringing it home. He still has to workshop it a little more. Maybe he just he, needs to be around Adam Sandler all the time. And that's how he calms down. Because this fact that Sandler was in the room maybe mm-hmm. helped him out. 
He did hug Adam Sandler. Mm-hmm. What was the movie he was in? Not Mall Rats. What was that uh, movie? Airheads. They... Was that the Airheads? Movie? Yeah. yeah, it was all right, but it was fun back in the day. Anyway, Ian McKellen told me to be good, be brief, and be seated. <laughs> you know, kind of funny. He looks at the trophy, naked man, trying to make up his mind between smiling or frowning. That's kind of like an actor, funny. And then he's like, I, I will treasure this, but never more than my you know, SAG card, which I earned in 1991, so that was touching. And and then he's, like, going into this long metaphor about, I'm a, you know, the, the, the Charlie character is on a raft of regrets, but in a sea of hope. I've also ridden that raft on that sea, but I've been smashed by those waves, and other actors are lost in the water. And then he's just like, but believe me, if you put one foot in front of the... I thought you are in the water, Brendan. <laughs> If you put one foot in I front of the other, I'm Jesus Christ. I can don't walk go, on water now. <laughs> don't go towards the light, Brendan. Can I just say this? Stop saying go towards the light. Don't do that. Don't because that's what the hell. Anyway, uh, I'm gonna go find this guy some pants now. Funny way to finish it. So he's getting better. I don't know if it matters. The speeches, like, does that? Do you think that matters in a race this tight, or do you think it matters a lot? I think it matters. If you can nail an early speech, okay. I think at this point, I don't know that anything matters. Right. It looks like a two-way race for certain. Are you completely ruling out Colin Farrell? He's plus. Yeah. Regrettably. He's, oh, he's actually 16 to 1. I almost misread that. He yeah. was plus 330. He was close. Yeah, 16 no. to mean, 1. Could, you know, for BAFTAs doing what they did, the fact that they still went against Colin Farrell was eye-opening to me. Fraser's a very slight favorite, minus 150, and you have Austin Butler in a range of plus 110 to plus 154, so he's right there. It's funny. I think right now, if I were to predict, I'd probably, well, no, I'd still predict Blanchett. So I was going to say, I think I'd predict three underdogs to win, but right now I'd still predict Blanchett. I have a feeling by the end of the week that'll change. But I may be predicting. You're, you're three saying underdogs. Blanchett a couple times. What? Well, yeah, who no, are you I'm saying well, of the of the three of the three acting categories that aren't led by somebody like Kiwi Kwan's favoritism. I think by the end of the week, I may end up predicting three underdogs to win. Because I think we both picked, or you picked Kwan, Condon, Fraser, Yo, and I picked Kwan. And I wanted Bassett. to pick Jerry, Jamie Lee Curtis over Condon, too. But I didn't think Everything Everywhere would win we four were, awards. We did all right at SAG, though. Yeah. We both picked Everything Everywhere, and we went three for four. So we were four for five, and five for six with Top Gun. So it wasn't bad for I us. I should have just done Jamie Lee Curtis. I'm dumb. You you had the inkling that she could yeah. take it. You did mention that. I, I wasn't uh, as much of a believer, necessarily, because I've been thinking of the vote-sharing between her and Stephanie Shue all along. So do you think Fraser's winning the Oscar right now, or do you have you have Butler? Is that because I might I have a mental block about this? I'm sorry. What did you say? I think Butler gave the best performance of the year, followed yeah. by Blanchett. Uh, I want Butler to win. By the end of the week, maybe I'll be predicting that. I think right now I'd pick Fraser, but I, like I said, I mean, by the end of the week, I may be picking three upsets, three underdogs. I mean, right. In the four Maybe. acting categories. Maybe. I'm st- yeah, I'm still leaning towards Frazier a little bit. I just think there's such curiosity for that performance. And once you watch it, once you know the narrative, once you realize that Butler's so young, so hot – <laughs> that maybe he doesn't need the Oscar right now and Frazier should get the Oscar right now. Maybe 
I don't know. I, I like a lot of the Butler love out there from a lot of our friends on film, Twitter, etc. Well, Frazier's I, won, right? I mean, he's already won, even if he doesn't yeah. get the Oscar, because he's going to be back in the A-list for yes to do whatever project he wants. So is Butler, for that matter. So is Farrell. This should have helped all of them. Mescal, for Christ's sake, is in the A-list now. He's yeah. going to be in the next big Gladiator movie, movie, right? So he might be Fred Astaire in a future film, yeah, too. I mean, point. he's been banging on that door every interview he gets. I mean, these are huge showcases for these actors, as many people have said, mm-hmm. uh, throughout history, that this is a big campaign season for your own brand in many ways. And these guys get a lot of work out of that, which hopefully will come to fruition especially for brendan frazier i don't know i'm i'm torn as well i i was gonna still pick frazier belligerently because i just had a feeling that he was gonna win all along even though the butler's performance is my number one as well in lead actor but i I don't know i'm there's not a believer necessarily in butler yet but if you're gonna award elvis butler's gotta be where that academy bracket you know, or the Academy ballot awards Elvis. No, anybody's regular. I wonder o- Oscar's puzzle too. If that comes into play, you have a lot of other spots where you can award Elvis, but not so much with the whale. So oh, if you want to, okay. if you want to vote Elvis, you can do it in a couple other technical categories. Maybe it doesn't matter when you're talking about a category as big and important as lead actor. But if you want to spread the love, you can go there, and then you can go to the lead act. You can go to the technicals for Elvis, and then you can go to lead actor and vote Frazier for the whale because Hong Chao probably doesn't have that great of a shot, and the only other category it's in is makeup. I don't know. It is a fascinating discussion because if, if you're looking at your ballot, you want to award Elvis. People do think this way. We know they think mm-hmm. this way, despite. What what I've heard recently from some people just ignoring the fact that they don't they don't have a you know overall look at the ballot. Now, does it become a cluster? You know what? Like at BAFTA, <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> when they can't get their shit together as a group think, because of course they don't. They don't have a hive mind, so this thing things can get crossed. But we could easily see them awarding Elvis down the card. Maybe not here. Or vice versa. Maybe the, the fact that yeah. they're awarding it down the card represents that they're going to go with Elvis right. here, and you're going to have voting blocks with Elvis winning, you know, a lot on a on a lot of ballots. I don't know. We know they love Elvis, though. We know the Academy loves Elvis. That's what we know. Is there any chance makeup is foreboding as to what happens in lead actor? That I don't know that I can sell myself on that. I I don't know either. Because that's such a specific achievement in makeup right. that I'm very eager to talk about with our expert guest. But you might ha- you may be onto something. Of course you are. It's going to be interesting. I'm I, I'm really three of the four acting categories are up in the air, and that's kind of a rarity in this day and age for Oscar. Is it fun or stressful for you right now? Because I'm I'm kind of having fun with it. I think it's I get it's fun because I don't have a there's not a performance I highly dislike. <laughs> You know, like there's not one that I really don't want to win. I think people are overrating and overreacting to. You'll watch Living and you'll hate Bill Nye, though. Probably. Yeah. I'm kidding. Most likely. (laughs) (laughs) Kidding. Oh, we know how I feel about Aftersun, which I'll never get to. And I hope only the best for it. I hate that movie. Uh, (laughs) You're a jerk. You're a jerk. (laughs) Marky Mark. Mark Wahlberg presents the biggest award of the night. 
Didn't go to Women Are Talking, which is a movie I haven't heard of, which is one that he cited on the stage instead Oops. of Women Talking. Oopsies. Uh, Everything Everywhere All at Once does win uh, Cast Ensemble at SAG. It becomes the only movie ever to win four SAG Awards in one night. It beats out American Beauty, Chicago, The Help, Three Billboards. They all previously were the only movies to have won three SAG Awards in a single night. No film, or I should say one film, only one film, has ever won the top prize at all three major Guild Awards, SAG, Producers Guild, and Directors Guild, and not won the Best Picture at the Oscars. That would be Apollo 13 back in 1995, Michael. And of course, as you mentioned, Everything Everywhere was the big winner at the PGA Awards, winning the Daryl Zanuck Award for Outstanding Producer of theatrical motion pictures. So I guess we can talk about everything everywhere is candidacy overall now. Obviously, the SAG Ensemble, it's a different type of award than the PGA, than best films at previous precursors, but it does matter. We've seen it with Parasite. We've seen it with CODA. We've seen the Academy start to build momentum, certainly with the SAG Ensemble, and this does matter a great deal. Everything Everywhere was a minus 175 favorite a couple weeks ago, and now it is in a range between anywhere of minus 600 to minus 2,000, Michael. It's got 11 noms. Not even worth betting on. 11 noms at the Oscars, so we know the Academy watched it in mass, all the branches. And the next closest odds... Are, are to all quiet on the Western Front, which was plus 3,300, but now is as short as plus 840. Really, it's more like a 14 to 1 odd uh, or, or betting line for all quiet on the Western Front. Yeah. the uh, I thought coming out of this that Banshees would be the lone best picture nomination inside 10 to 1 odds. Uh, yeah. That's not the case. Banshees is now third. All Quiet is pretty comfortably in second place. But even like you just said, I mean, it's 10 to 1 or longer. <laughs> and you said it, too. You thought Banshees was going to have some kind of a winner on the night. Yeah. Jerry Condon, at least. And obviously, Colin Farrell was in the mix, of course. And then Banshees was probably in the mix for Ensemble. I mean, I'm looking at the the spread of books right now, and you can find everything everywhere at minus two thousand just as often as you can at minus six hundred. You can find Banshees at twenty four to one, which would be a nice hit <laughs> if it did hit. Top Gun is as you know a long shot as thirty one or thirty nine to one. Fablemans as long as thirty three. Tar ninety five to one, and Elvis two hundred to one. Even though their ranges. Or, yeah. or, or closer. So go ahead, bet on those. Yeah, <laughs> the books are begging I mean, you. Sprinkle maybe a, a buck here, a buck there, perhaps. The argument about everything everywhere, though, not resonating with awards voters, was fun, but it's now dead. And I'm guilty for spouting it as much as anybody <laughs> because yes, it was a fun concern to kind of pry and poke at the boomers especially in the academy. We were trying to give BAFTA benefit of the doubt there, I think. However, we have also been saying when when pushed we've been predicting everything everywhere all at once as right. the front runner as the favorite, but like Clayton and Jazz, they've been talking about it on award circuit at Variety there for a while that our academy hasn't always been very cool and they certainly don't in previous years kind of 
purport to be cool enough to vote for everything everywhere all at once as a, as a best picture winner, but maybe they're changing. So the fact that everything everywhere won the hell out of SAG where huge numbers were required to, to win. I mean, 160,000 members. So however many voted, everything everywhere had to get a ton of votes. And then you look at PGA, everything everywhere winning on a preferential ballot at PGA, on a preferential ballot voted mostly by old white dudes mm-hmm. in the producers guild. So I, they they check all the boxes. Yeah. It's uh it's a very impressive weekend that everything everywhere just said. I we disagree about I I well we don't disagree. I think we disagree to to, to the matter of degree in which mm-hmm. this race is over. I I I think best picture is done. I I, I, I mean I know you do. T- I know you do too. You yeah. just think there's a bigger, a greater chance for an upset. But I don't think anybody can reasonably predict anything but everything everywhere to win Best Picture, unless they just want to be, you know, oh, I'm just going with my gut. I gotta crunch some numbers. The the stat that you mentioned at the onset here is pretty daunting. But we've seen daunting stats get broken before. So I gotta crunch some numbers. I gotta look at. I gotta do my own deep dive on Best Picture to see what degree. Everything Everywhere might be vulnerable. I just had an entire season of warning everybody not to get their hopes up because of butt stuff and because of, you know, hot dog There were reasonable warnings, you know? I mean, but maybe the Academy's finally passed the point of no return with how how wide and diverse they've gotten the last few years. Maybe. They lost at the Golden Globes. They lost at the BAFTAs. And they lost handily at the BAFTAs, which is typically... A big deal. The fact that Everything Everywhere didn't win more at the BAFTAs is a red flag to me. It only won, like, editing, correct? Yeah, I think that's right. And yet, I mean, we are. It's, it is in play now. Not likely, not probable, but it's in play that Everything Everywhere wins picture, lead actress, supporting actor, supporting actress, screenplay, at the Oscars, editing. I mean, never sound, mind. Never song, mind the text. I mean, yeah, never yeah, mind the text. Open it all. Up. But it could open win it five of the big six, and the only reason it's not six is that it doesn't have a lead actor. <laughs> right. It's in that mix. It's in that mix, and it, it has a strong candidacy. Will it? I think that's something we're going to be talking about yeah. for the next few weeks here. And I do think it is a conversation. It's not just devil's advocacy. That's where I'm leaning. But I I agree with you. It is a it is a heavy favorite. It is a front runner now in Best Picture. There's no doubt about it. Uh, Mike, let's finish with a couple of cherries on top of this. Sunday, Navalny won Best Documentary Producer. Navalny has now won the BAFTA uh, recently. It lost DGA, Fire of Love. Sarah Dosa won at the DGA. But Navalny looks like a strong possibility in documentary feature. And then we got Guillermo del Toro's Pinocchio basically sweeping even though there is some variance because the Annie Awards just had an independent film, Best Animated Feature, that went to Marcel Deschel with shoes on. But otherwise, Guillermo del Toro's Pinocchio took the PGA, did very well at the Annie Awards, the animation guild there, and it looks to be sweeping. Is that your heaviest lock right now? Well, I would have said Kihei Kwan was my heaviest lock before before BAFTA did what they did. Yeah, and that's why and that's another reason that like the fact that he's not a sweeper is repulsive. Here's another charm offensive that has totally made me cry listening to interviews with Domi Shi 
for turning red. I can't get over what a brilliant <laughs> filmmaker she is, storyteller, to tell that story so well. I, I love Turning Red. It was a top 13 movie of the year for me. And maybe there's a chance that Pixar love shines through. Sure. And we get a shocker. Marcel Shell with shoes on would be surprising to me because it's just such a it's such a blip on the box office. Yeah, that's true. It's such a blip. I, I haven't seen any kind of traction that people have even seen Marcel Deschamps with shoes on, even though you and I both loved it. It's currently got the third odds. I would have thought it would be number two, but it's it's third to Puss in Boots is number two. Well, Puss in Boots is a, another fun movie. I, I love that one, too. Really good category this year. I just, you know, I'm not, as, I'm not as enthused about the favorite. Even <laughs> Which though you I can love, find for minus 5,000 in some books right now. I love the director. So is that the, that's the shortest favorite that you know of? I believe so. I haven't done the deep dive there yet into all the odds. But, yeah, it's mm-hmm. uh, just cursory glancing right now. Some of the locks that I would have predicted are doinks, as our friends at the Show Me the Money yes. had. Like, I would have thought Top Gun and Sound, but now All Quiet went in the BAFTA. Threw me for a loop. I would have thought Kihei Kwan and supporting actor. There's a couple of obvious winners that have gone in different ways throughout this season. That again makes for a, a really fun, exciting last three weeks here because I think there's some variance and there's some possibility. It's it. I, I kind of my last tweet of the night was just like, hey, let's just have fun with this whole thing, people. Yeah, uh, it's shaping up to be uh, quite the interesting last couple weeks here, and that's. That's where we head into with a couple guests on the horizon now. And what matters most of all to us, as always, dear listener, are your thoughts. What did you think about what happened this weekend, both at the PGAs and at the SAG Awards? Are there anything that shook your predictions or that took you by surprise? We want to hear all that as well as any other thoughts, comments, questions, or concerns you may have about anything we do here in the MMO Empire. You can leave us those, as always, on our social medias. We are Mike, Mike, and Oscar on Facebook and Instagram, at MM and Oscar on Twitter, Mike, Mike, and Oscar at gmail.com.com. And on Reddit, we are available wherever you do hear podcasts. And if you're listening to us on either the Apple Podcasts or Spotify app, if you appreciate what we do, if you wouldn't mind leaving us a five-star review, those help us out immensely. Thank you to everyone who has done so thus far. Uh, Big week for us, Mike, coming up. Tell the good people what's coming next, and let's have some words of wisdom. Yeah, big two weeks, in fact, because we have six episodes planned, four guests involved at the moment, hopefully a fifth guest if you take three weeks into consideration, we'd love to do a fallout show. But I don't want to mention any of their names because I don't want to <laughs> jinx it any further. So it is wise not to jinx your podcast there gets because every time we do that, we they, they have to reschedule and we get it. They're so busy. They're, they're awesome guests. We're, we, we're fooling them into coming on our show every year. And uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, just talking to a couple of schmoes like us. But we have a blast talking to our, our guests and this has been an extraordinary season go back and listen to ryan and clayton and izzy and and so many guests that we've had throughout the year amanda etc etc it's really been a lot of fun this year and we got we got more coming yeah absolutely uh Oh boy, is it going to be a sprint these last two weeks here, and probably the the one after at least as well. So guys, strap in, get ready. Uh, when reality sucks, strap can... in to sprint. Are you Brendan Fraser now? You got to yeah. put one foot in front of the other in the ocean. If you strap in and then you try to sprint, you'll fall flat on your face. So you can fall off flat on your face with us. We are Mike, Mike, and Oscar trying to make award season year round without the stuffiness. We will see you all very soon. 
I'm always a critic. You can't even mix your metaphors <laughs> in the outro with me. I'll see you guys.